Welcome to the Vanguard Church Podcast. You're about to hear a sermon from Vanguard Church Central in the heart of Colorado Springs. With every message, it's our prayer that you hear and learn how to live out your faith in real relationship with Jesus and with others. May your faith be strengthened, your hope increased, and your heart inspired to live for Jesus no matter the cost. Stay tuned. Thanks for listening. And we're going to talk about what is the difference between being in this kind of overwhelming agony of pain and being at your breaking point versus your broken point, and what happens when you get there. And what we discover, as we see here with Graham, is that when we are in that kind of immense pain, what we discover is that we are missing God. But I want you to think about that verb missing in two different ways. When we are facing our pain, we often cry out to God and we say, where are you? Because you say in your word that you have never left me, you will never forsake me, and yet I don't see you. I'm still suffering, I'm still struggling, I'm still mourning, I'm still weeping, I still can't sleep at night, I still can't eat, I struggle to breathe, anxiety overwhelms me. Where is your comfort, God? And even though we're in that push-pull of feeling his absence, we are pressing into the other kind of missing, which is a longing for God. I miss you in my soul, God. Yes, my body fails me. Yes, psychologically and emotionally and spiritually, I'm struggling. But I am fully aware that I desire you. But where are you? We're missing God. You'll see that when I titled this sermon, I put a question mark after that. Missing God? Because, of course, we know that God knows, goes nowhere. He goes nowhere. So how do we get out of a point of missing God in our pain and realizing that always present God is always healing us? That's what we're doing today. So I'm Candace Kovac, if we haven't met. I uh, each year get the privilege of leading the teaching team through our summer series. And as you know, we are plowing through Creed, which is a study of the scripture behind the sending. At the end of every service, we say the sending, and it's a profession of who we are and what we believe. And it's good to say it, but you know what's even better? To know why you say it. Because if you know why you say it, you're more likely to go do it. And so that's what we're doing in the next several weeks this summer. And today we're specifically going to be studying the line, I am broken and mending and called by the Lord. And to do that, we're gonna be looking at Psalm 77, a short but a whammy passage of scripture. And we're gonna be asking the question, what do we do when God seems missing? Welcome live stream. We're glad that you ha- we have you. Grab your Bibles, your smartphones, your program. Let's dive in. Are you ready? Yes. Psalm 77, verse 1. I cried out to God for help. I cried out to God to hear me. You ever been there? You ever been there? Everybody in this room has been there. Yes. I cried out to God, help me. It's our basic starting point in our pain. 
When I was in distress, I sought the Lord. At night, I stretched out untiring hands, and my soul refused to be comforted. So right away, do you get it? We're not talking about, I'm feeling a little sad. I'm a little down today. No, no. This is far deeper than that. This is a, a stirring and a rumbling of, of pain. This is where Graham is. I remembered you, O oh God, and I groaned. I mused, and my spirit grew faint. What do we do when God seems missing? Here's your first point. You're going to have to reach your broken point. Reach your broken point. Now, earlier I said there's a difference between breaking and broken, and I'm about to tell you what it is. Graham, as rough as that scene is, he's just, just creeping up on his broken point. See, when you're breaking, you still got the reins. And it might be deceptive, but you believe that you have them, right? Breaking is, it's okay, I got this, I got this. This is a bad day, it's gonna be all right. Just chill, self, chill, self. Or you go and you find your outlet where you feel that you've regained control, whatever it is that you run to. Breaking is manageable, though it's painful. Broken is the agony of surrender. Broken is the agony of surrender, where you get to the point where there's nothing left in you to resist God. You're just laid out. And when that kind of broken point happens, you'll start to see pain a different way. Let me explain. Craig and I have three tremendous children. One is in the front row, and I'm about to tell a story about her, although she didn't know that. So uh, two of them are grown, one of them is in high school, but it doesn't seem that long ago when they were coming into this world. And the mothers in the room, if you have had the experience of giving life to a child, we know that that is a certain kind of agony, highly painful to the body. And Grace was a 36-hour labor with no drug intervention. And it's not that I'm a martyr. It's, you know, it's like a bad relationship. How far in do you go until you can't get back out? So you start out with the plan and then it's hour 10 and you're like, well, I've come this far. And then it's hour 20 and you're like, well, I've come this far. And pretty soon you're 36 hours in. Somewhere in the upper 20s, I became what I could best describe as delirious. Like your body is so overwrought that it was difficult for me to understand what people were saying. I don't remember a lot, but I just remember feeling like I was beginning to float away. And the one thing that sounded good to me is laying on the cold linoleum industrial floor at a military hospital. I was like, this sounds like a good idea. And I had what I can, I know she was a human, but boy, she felt like an angel. And her name was Lana. Lana was my assigned labor and delivery nurse. And Lana, who was on for like a 12-hour shift, stayed long past her 12-hour shift. And she, through the whole 36 hours, was with me. And I remember I laid on the floor. And she laid down on the floor with me too. 
And she looked me in the face, and we were cheek, almost cheek to cheek. And she said, you have to stop fighting the pain. You have to stop fighting the pain. Now, in my delirium, I'm like, surely she didn't say that. That seems wrong. She said, let the pain come. Let the pain come. Be one with it. And when you do, the baby will come. Now, on the one hand, what a word. On the other hand, I can't believe she waited until like hour 28 to give me that sage advice. But Grace was born not long after that. Because I had reached a point of brokenness. I'm laying on the floor on this nasty military hospital floor, trying to get this baby out of my body. And I'm overcome with pain, agony. And here comes this voice. Let the pain come. And the baby will follow. You'll get what you want. What if we thought of pain in a different way? What if pain wasn't something that we resisted and that we butted up against, that we stiff-armed and we say, don't come my way, you cost me too much, you make me uncomfortable, I don't like you. What if we abandoned that mindset and instead said, could pain be something I welcome so that I can move closer to God? instead of farther away? Could pain be something that has a purpose from God? Could it be? And what if it was? One of my favorite quotes is, as you, if you've been around a while, you know I love C.S. Lewis. Pain insists on being attended to. Isn't that the truth? You just can't shake pain. God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks to us in our everyday conscience. Ah, but pain. That's when God shouts. He shouts at us in our pain. It's the megaphone, C.S. Lewis wrote, to rouse our deaf ears. See, when we embrace pain, it's like God is saying, hey, hey. You're wondering where I am. I'm right here. Where are you? Where are you? I haven't moved. I haven't shifted. I haven't changed. And you're missing me. You're longing for me. And you're crying out for me to come and save you. And I haven't moved anywhere. And if we go about in our pleasures, we're happy and we're content. We don't have struggles. So we are less inclined to yearn for God. He whispers in our pleasures. But when we are in pain, he's saying, hey, something's going on. Something's broken. We got to get together on this. And instead, we see pain as something to resist and something to run away from. And we blame God for the way that we hurt. And what are we missing when we do that? We're missing God. We're not pushing in. We're pulling away. And if we saw pain in that different paradigm, just maybe we could start to move beyond it. Just maybe. Look at verse four. You hold my eyelids open. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. Ever felt like words failed? If I said, how are you today? And there's just nothing there. You just can't even express it. 
I consider the days of old, the years long ago. I said, let me remember my song in the night. Let me meditate in my heart. We're going to talk about that word heart. And then my spirit made a diligent search. I want you to see what's not in this passage. Between four and six, can you find where it says, and God answered? Do you see it? That's right, because it's not there. Here is the psalmist crying out and pleading, and yet God feels eerily silent, like he's missing. But there is instruction there. The psalmist says he turns to the heart, and in Hebrew, that word heart is not the organ that's currently pumping blood through your body. That word heart in Hebrew in this verse means inner parts, your inner parts. And specifically in Hebrew, the inner parts, it refers to your feelings, your memories, your longings, your deep relationships. What defines you? It's deeper than the flesh. It's a soul level. And then the psalmist says, I turned to that place and I started a search. This is a beautiful roadmap. When you have reached your broken point and you're looking to find out what do I do next when God seems missing, you turn to the heart and here's your point number two. You ask your fears. You ask your fears. When it comes to pain, what are we afraid of? I mean, really, what are we afraid of? Well, I'm afraid I'm going to hurt. Okay, why are you afraid of hurting? What makes me uncomfortable? Why are you afraid of being uncomfortable? Because if I'm uncomfortable, I'm not in control. Now we're getting somewhere. Why are you afraid of not being in control? Because I don't know what the outcome will be. Why are you afraid of not knowing what the outcome? See, this is the work that we have to do with God when we are in pain. We have to get past our broken point and start saying to God, I am afraid of my pain. And then we're getting somewhere because we're saying, you know what? If pain gets me to God and having a conversation with him, an honest, authentic, soul deep conversation where I say, God, these are my fears. Maybe I'm going to find out what God is doing in me through my pain. That's what the psalmist does. Look at verse seven. Will the Lord reject forever? Will he never show his favor again? Put another way, am I always going to suffer like this? Verse eight, has his unfailing love vanished forever? Has his promise failed for all time? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his compassion? boxed it, tucked it away. Those are six pivotal questions that I highly recommend you question yourself. These are fears. If you've got your program or if you've got your phone, if you've got your mind and your memory, I want you to look closely at these verses. Consider the attributes 
that we see about God in these verses. Look at seven. Will the Lord reject forever? Do you ever fear God's acceptance? Last week, uh, Pastor Micah walked us through the idea that God has chosen you. And he really taught us so much about how we fear that we're not good enough for God's choice. Do you ever question and fear that he won't accept you? Do you fear that he doesn't favor you? That he doesn't look kindly upon you? That he doesn't want good things for you? That what he wants will be too costly for you? Verse eight, do you ever fear his love? That it'll go away? Have you ever asked your God, yourself if God is just this fairy tale? What if when we die, this is it? And your whole life or however many years you've been walking with the Lord, you thought you were going somewhere, doing something, living better. And you're at the point where you're like, well, what if not? What about his promises? Is he who he says he is? You ever feared that? How about graciousness and compassion in verse nine? His mercy. Do you ever wonder if he isn't merciful to you? That he doesn't care about you? If you took a pen in the program or on your notes or in your mind and you circled seven, eight, and nine, and you said, each time I circle that verse, it's because at different times in my life, or maybe right now today, I fear that he's not merciful, he's not compassion, that he's not love, that he's not favor, that he's not real. That would be a lot of fears in three little circles. But if we look at our fears and we say they are bigger than God, then we become so small, we are bound to them, crushed by them, chained by them, and then we live in pain. We're stuck there, a lot like Graham is stuck. I hate you, he says to God, I hate you. Where are you? Because I'm afraid and I'm in agony and I feel alone. Think about pain a different way and ask God your fears. Tell him what you're afraid of. Have you thought about what you're afraid of? For me, I don't struggle. That's not my particular struggle with wondering if God accepts me. But you, do you know what mine is? God, am I living enough for you? Am I living enough for you? In my every day and my every ways, am I laying it all down in total sacrifice for you? I do not want to fail God. I don't want to go and meet him when it's my time to go home and not hear, well done. Well done. Good and faithful servant. That's a fear. So I have to go to God with that fear and I have to be reminded that I'm more than the things that I do, that my value to God isn't a resume, that I can do more for him because I love him, not because I'm creating a bullet list. What's your fear? There's, I guarantee you, more than one. Ask him your fears. Verse 10, and then I said, I will appeal to this, to the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate 
on your mighty deeds. Look at those verbs. I will appeal to this. What is this? The years. The years of knowing the Most High. How long have you been God? Forever. Transcends time. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. What you've done. Who you are. I will ponder. Contemplate. Meditate. Those are powerful verbs. They are not passive. They are not casual. They require intention and they require effort. If you want to move beyond your pain, you're going to have to work. You're going to have to work. And that's a hard time to have to work because you already feel weak. You already feel depleted. You already are at your broken point. And the last thing that you want me to say to you is now you do work, but it's the sweetest work to do. It's the pressing in with God relationally, emotionally, scripturally. Yes, God, I will remember. What do you do when God seems missing? Point number three, go way back. Go way back. You ever heard that expression or maybe use that expression when you're talking about a friend and you say, oh, we go way back. Yes, you have. I like how we were right there in that moment because we did the way the same thing, way back. When was the last time you thought about God that way? How far back do you go with God? Do you go way back? When we go way back, we remember a better time a sweeter time, a time when maybe we weren't in pain or as much pain. We go back to a time when he was faithful. We go back to a time when he showed up, when he was merciful, when he was compassionate, when he gave us favor, when we felt his love. In the hard times, we all go back to a better time. And yet in our pain, in our relationship with God, we forget. And so the psalmist reminds us, you got to go back. You got to go back to that time when you were sure of who he was and then bring that into the moment right now in your pain where you don't know who he is and you can't remember because your pain is so much you have forgotten. But I cannot say this enough. Pain will pass. It will pass. And if you said to me, but what if I'm in pain all the way until the day I die? Then your pain will pass that day. Then that's when it passes. It will pass. But God is forever. God is forever forever. And you must always remember that pain will pass, but God is forever. He goes nowhere. He's an ever fixed point. You're anchored to the ground. I was listening to a worship song, my hope and my firm foundation, and you will never let me down. Now you may not feel that today, but you can remember when you did. Verse 13, your way, O God, is holy. What God is great like our God? Amen. What God is great like our God? Give me one right now. None. 
What God is great like our God? You are the God who works wonders. You have made known your might among the peoples. You with your arm redeemed your people, the children of Jacob and Joseph. And when the waters saw you, O God, when the waters saw you, they were afraid. Jesus speaking to the sea, be still. Indeed, the deep trembled. The clouds poured out water. The skies gave forth thunder. Your arrows flashed on every side. The crash of your thunder was in the whirlwind. Your lightnings lighted up the world. We just had a great big thunderstorm. Do you think about that with the lightning and the thunder? The earth trembled and shook. Verse 19, your way was through the sea, your path through the great waters, and yet your footprints were unseen. Point number four. Get to mending. Get to mending. What in the world does that have to do with that passage? When you're in pain, what do you do to soothe yourself? Question for thought. You know, maybe you hit the gym. Uh, Maybe you reach out to friends. Maybe you get drunk. Maybe you get high. Maybe you sleep with somebody you're not married to. Maybe you tell a lie. Maybe it's not quite so sorted. Maybe you read or game, get on social media. How do you cope with your pain? Let me ask you that. Ever gone to nature? How many of you love to be out? I mean, we live in Colorado. Yes, yes, yes. But do you feel it soothes you? Is it a balm? It is for me. And the most obvious point in this passage is that in your pain, you have to go back to find the creator. And there is few ways to find the creator more poignant and purposeful than nature. I mean, we look out at these mountains and you can see, well, there is a glacier and it went through and it carved out the lines. Yeah, but who told the glacier to move? Who made that design? The sunsets. I mean, I have sat on an Adirondack chair on the coastal edge of South Carolina and watched the fishing trawlers come in while the sun sinks. And I thought, this is perfect. I have lived in Alaska and you can hike Mount Baldy on on the winter, I'm sorry, on the summer solstice and get to the top and the sun just hits the horizon before it begins to rise again. And that defies everything that we say science is. Who does that? But there's a deeper meaning in this scripture beyond just embrace God as a creator. It's recognizing that everyone and everything yields to the living God. Nothing is greater. The deeps tremble. The lightning thunders and, and, the, um, and rolls because God is in charge. And that should give us comfort It should comfort us in our pain to know that you don't have to be afraid because you don't have to be in control. You don't have to figure it out. You don't have to have the answers. The only one telling you that that's true is you. You're the maker of your own pain in that way. Let me give you a metaphor. Anybody ever had surgery? Yeah, me too, me too. Something happened before the surgery, right? Something happened. Something was in pain probably, right? And pain in our body 
says, hey, something's wrong. I got a stone in my gallbladder or a stitch in my gut or my appendix is bursting. Something is wrong in your body when you have pain. It's the megaphone that gets your attention. I want you to think of God as the surgeon. So now you're in pain. And when you're in pain, you go to a doctor and the doctor says, you're going to have to have an operation. And here's your surgeon. So here comes God. And now God has to cut into what is causing you that pain. The abuse, the destruction, the deception, the addiction, the traumatic childhood, the divorce, the infidelity, whatever it is, he's going to cut into it. And the scalpel he uses to do it is the word of God. It's prayer. It's fasting. It's the discipline of walking with him. And like a perfect cut, he's going to slice it open. And then he's going to scoop out what's going on. Pain is God's way of having a purpose in your life to bring you closer to him so that you can be more holy. No, no, no. It's because I want to be well. It's because he wants you to be more holy. It's not about you. It's about him. It's not about you. It's about him. And in the course of becoming more holy, you will get well. Do you see how it's God first and then you? And then if you see God first and you're running and pressing into him in your pain, then what you'll discover is that the surgeon carves out what isn't well in you. And then he stitches you back up in this perfect line. And he may, yes, have to go back in time and time again. That's the way pain is. Sometimes it's one and done. Sometimes it will be a lifetime. And then you have to get on the antibiotics. And when you're on your antibiotics, you've got your community. Maybe you're serving at Vanguard. Maybe you're in a life group. Maybe you've got relationships that remind you, hey, go way back. Remember when God was better? But that's a part of the healing process too. And why bother? If the point of overcoming your pain isn't so that you can feel, just feel better, why should I bother? That's a fair question. It's a fleshly question, but that's a fair question. And here's my answer. Here's God's answer, and it's in verse 20. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Something is waiting for you on the other side of your pain. There's more to your life than that pain. And if you don't push through the pain, you'll never get to what's on the other side. And what's on the other side is our final point. Answer your call. Answer your call. See, we, I said to you that the pain, hey, that's the megaphone. But that's not the final point that God's making. He's saying, I have something for you. And we got to get you through this painful process that you're in, this place where you're stuck, where you're overwhelmed. We got to get you through that. And if we can get you through that, I've got something better waiting for you. We all have one call. We just studied the book of Matthew and our one call is in there. These commands I give you, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength and love your neighbor as yourself. And don't forget what follows. Go and make disciples of men. That's your calling. It's my calling. It's your calling. It's your calling. It's your calling. That's it. That's it. The other 
fixations that we have about our calling. It's just about how we're going to live it out. I'm living mine out right now. I'm called to be a teacher. Everyone in this room has talents and gifts that are beautifully unique to you, but they are not better than the first and foremost calling, which is God saying, love me with everything you've got. Love others like me as I love them and go and make disciples of men. If you feel stuck and you're wondering what's next, start there. Start there. What are you doing with God? That's about that calling. Pain is inevitable. In this life, you will have trouble. You will. It's going to come. What do we do with our pain when it does come? You can resist it. Resistance is futile. You won't get anywhere. You'll just stay stuck in pain. But if we saw pain a different way, if we saw pain as an invitation from God to press into him instead of pulling away, if we satisfied that longing that we have for him, when we say, God, I'm missing you. I want you so much. Press into your pain. God is waiting. I want to read you these words again from this clip that we watched. And the way that it's most easily watched this clip is to hear what you're supposed to hear, which is Graham talking to God. What if we changed the point of view? What if we made what Graham is saying the voice of God to you? What if we made what Graham is saying the voice of God to you? Listen, I know it hurts, baby. We can do this together. Fear is feeding it. Can you imagine? If you could hear God right now in your pain, we can do this together. I know it hurts. Fear is feeding it. Don't be afraid of what's happening. Don't be afraid of what's happening. Believe it's going to pass. Here it comes. Here it comes. Here comes the air. We're the same together. We're the same. We can do it. You've got to reach your broken point. It's the only way you're going to start. Ask your fears. You got to get to the mending. You got to answer your call. Don't miss out on God. Thanks for listening to the Vanguard Central Podcast. We encourage you to go out and live your faith in real relationship with Jesus and with others. God bless you, friend. See you next time.